something outside. What is that? Talking Old Timers with Thomas Steenberg, the one, the only Thomas Steenberg, and uh, he is in the studio with me as we speak. Thomas, how is it going? Enjoying the sunny, beautiful, warm weather while it lasts, Julie, and uh, not feeling too old. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'll tell you. How hot does it get up there at this time of the year? You getting pretty warm? Well, we've uh, we've peaked out around uh, 34 Celsius. I'm not sure how that translates in Fahrenheit, but I think it's like 90. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, so uh, you are know, close to 100. It's pretty. It's been pretty warm, but it was far worse last year. So, um, and we mm. haven't got the forest fire problem this year. Good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's mm. been. I noticed that um, there was. It's pretty hot in the Pacific Northwest, you know, considering what they're used to up that way. Um, uh, absolutely, and uh, I'm just glad we haven't got the smoke problem with all the forest fires we did the last two years. Jeez. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I I feel for you, all you guys over there with the heat, because you know, especially not being so used to it all the time, you know, like, we'll get, we'll hit 100 for days on end here, you know, that's just every day in North Carolina summer. I just remind everybody. I can imagine how. (laughs) It must, you know, the Pacific Northwest, even in the summertime, in the the middle of the night in the mountains, you know, it's very, very cold, so I just can't imagine how, I know Shane Corson and all of them out there, you know, with Monster X Radio, I felt so sorry for him because I know that he's definitely not used to it. Well, everyone who here is complaining about the heat, I just remind them it'll be cold enough, wet enough, soon enough, or long enough. That's right. They'll be <laughs> wishing it back in the middle of winter. Mm. Well, listen, I'll, we have a really good show tonight. Um, a lady I've been wanting to get on the show for some time now, and I'm so glad that we're able to, to finally get it arranged. Um it's somebody who is very, very busy, you know, has her hands in all kinds of stuff related to the cryptozoology world, uh, founding member of the International Cryptozoology Society, um, operations curator at International Cryptozoology Museum, and um, that is the one in, there's two of them in Maine, Um one is in Bangor, and uh, I know there was another one um, 
that has been open for some time, but we'll, we'll go ahead and get her onto the studio. Jean Tuskberry is in the studio with us. How are you, Jean? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Finally got you on the show. Stoked about that. Um, you know, normally what, what I want to try to do is kind of get an idea of why why you even got into all of this uh, enigma of the, the cryptid world. Um, you know, how, how did that happen for you? When did all of this get started? It happened for me when I was seven. Um, my mom loved to watch a lot of movies. They were usually horror movies that dealt with animals when I was a child, so it was kind of like freaky at times. But she ended up watching this movie called um, Sasquatch Legend of Bigfoot. I think she thought it was something else. And we were watching it, and I just remember just being completely fascinated, seeing the Patterson-Gimlin footage for the first time, and then um, watching how they went out on these on horseback looking for this, you know, creature and just the different stuff that went around it. And when I was in the fourth grade, I was lucky enough that our library had a book on Bigfoot. Um, it was a John Green one. It was a case book. And I read that from front to back. And I was mm-hmm. so excited to hear the, you know, the stories of like Albert Osman, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, and Ruby Creek and, and just all of the stuff that, that goes around the Bigfoot phenomenon. And I remember telling my teacher, I'm like, this is so fascinating. And the first thing out of his mouth was, you just wasted your time. You just wasted oh all that time and I was so disappointed and I got that reaction from a lot of people so I kind of kept it in for a while and I continued to read as much as I could on it and you know just different things and in 2015 I thankfully my son was like you know there's a, a cryptozoology museum in Portland and I went down and I visited and um, looked around. I, I just was so fascinated. My husband was like looking at me going, you're like a kid in a candy store. You're just like, <laughs> in awe. and um, I went back home. I started following him and I noticed on Facebook, they had put a little message out, a post out needing volunteers. So I emailed them and reached out and they uh, called me in to do an interview. And um when I was called in, I was told that I'd be speaking to Lauren Coleman, who's the founder and director of the museum and an assistant director that was there at the time. And I remember telling the woman, I'm like, I- I've got to speak with Lauren Coleman. Um, I-, I don't know if I can. And she's like, no, no, it's fine. You'll be fine. And I went yeah. in and told him the same exact thing I'm telling you. And I was brought in as a volunteer and then they hired me um, as staff Um January 1st of 2016. Wow. And it's all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you that the uh, the one in Portland, now that opened back in 2003. Um, and as Gene as said, Lauren Coleman, um, you know, it was, he had a, all kinds of interesting stuff in his house and decided to, you know, take it out of there and then somewhere where the public can enjoy it. Plus, I imagine that he had so much stuff that uh, he's probably didn't have any room to actually live in that, that house with all the stuff I had heard that he had in there. So uh, so that's kind of how that all happened. But So now recently you um, opened kind of like a the second um, museum, and you said a smaller version of it there in, uh, in Bangor, Maine. Yes. 
That one opened the last Wednesday in March. The last Wednesday in March. Okay. Uh, wow. And have you had a lot of interest? People um, coming in? We, we, have, we have people coming in, um, some that live within the Bangor area, some that live outside of it. And we have had people from Massachusetts and Canada and different places come just to check it out and stuff. It's, it's still new, so it's still being, you know, um, put out there so that people understand that it's there. It's kind of, it's, it is small. It's what I call, like to call a little mini museum. It, it gets people that cannot make it to Portland that are in down East Maine or Northern Maine. It gives them a place to come in and actually just, you know, get the whole cryptozoology feel. Oh, wow. And, uh, you, you said the admission is free for that museum. Yeah, it's it's just a small little place, so they don't charge an admission. Okay, cool. Well, so our listeners up in that area, if you haven't been in there yet to check it out, you should do so. Um, and definitely um, hit us up when you do. Let us know how you, how you liked it. Uh, now, I've never been to the museum in, uh, in Portland, Maine. Um, maybe I'll have to make my way up there and stop by your place too uh, as I go through but you know you guys have so much um, so many fascinating uh, artifacts and different things in that museum what are your some of your favorite um, things in, in the museum in Portland in the Portland one my most favorite thing and I actually posted this on Facebook at one time is we have the dart gun um from this the Tom Page collection and it's one that um Roger Patterson and Peter Burns and others had used um when they did their Bigfoot expeditions trying to you know see if they could capture one um and it's just an I I for some reason I just love this this dart gun. It's heavier than heck. <laughs> um I don't know how <laughs> they carry this thing sometimes, but it's just one of those pieces of of history that goes with the whole like I said Bigfoot, you know, phenomenon that I just find absolutely fascinating and it's it's that one is is my favorite piece in the in the Portland Museum. Oh wow. Did you know that was there, Thomas? What uh, what, are, uh, what are a dark what? A dark gun. A gun. Yeah. Uh, like a double barrel shotgun. Uh no, it's just a it's a dark gun. It's it's it looks like uh, it's not quite as long as a shotgun. Um, it's the barrel is. Yeah, I'm trying to think here how to describe it. it all I know is it, it's it's a dart gun. It looks like a, a small shotgun, um, and it, it was once that were that was taken out, you know, in the field when like Roger Patterson, Peter Burns, and others um, were out on expeditions and stuff. It's part of the Tom Page collection. It's not the one running to hit and stuck in John Green's face, is it? I have no idea on that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! So it's an actual wow. dart gun. What type of? I wonder what type of darts were were they trying to shoot at this thing? Um, I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I I didn't know that. So wow, that is very interesting. Oh, okay. You mean dart gun? 
a yeah. dart gun. Do you know why they would be using that, Thomas? Were they trying uh, to date one or D-A-R-K. what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, dart. Okay, okay, okay. I'm All sorry right. if you can understand. That's <laughs> uh, so just phone line, phone line uh, quality. If one word sounds like another. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but were you aware of that, Thomas, that they were out there with a dart gun? Oh, I know they took some uh, uh, with them on occasion. I know, I know Roger uh, did, and I also know Peter Burns did. I had no idea it was the same one. I mean, Roger Patterson wow. passed in 1972. Yeah. Holy darn. Yeah. That's amazing. And, of course, Peter well, What about the one in Bangor? What, what's your favorite piece in there? Um, the favorite piece in there is we have a lot of upset people in Portland about it, but we have um, the Fiji mermaid there. <laughs> it was one of our main attractions at the Portland Museum that they took up to Bangor, and everybody seems to love it. Um, it's a movie prop from the P.T. Barnum. And, uh, oh, wow. And, yeah, so it's it's one of those little neat things from from history oh, there. You mean the, uh, a movie prop, not the original Fiji Mermaid? No, it's a movie prop. <laughs> okay, okay. No, the original uh, one I, was like I believe a Reese's uh, monkey and a fish thrown together. So no, we don't have the original one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, where the hell did you find that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, I'm looking at it right now on your um, on the cryptozoologymuseum.com website, and yeah, that that looks pretty freaky. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, now I know you guys have had um, the Finding Bigfoot gang has been in there visiting several times. Um, who who are some of the I guess it, people that might know some more of the more, um, I hate to say the word celebrity, but, uh, you know, people that a lot of us may recognize the names of. The, have you met some people in that museum in um, in Portland? Uh, yeah, in Portland, because that's where I first started. I was there for um, almost seven years, because like I said, I just moved up to the Bangor one back in March. Um, but the Portland one, the first the first year I was there when I was still volunteering, um, I met um, John Lennon's son, Sean Lennon. He came into the museum um, with his girlfriend, and that was really yeah. Um, he did pictures with Crookston. They were very nice. Um, I'm very I I don't like to treat celebrities different, um, so I treated them just like they were just any ordinary person and. They really appreciated that. <laughs> um, wow. And let's see. I've had the band Murder by Death, and the whole band was in. Dang. I, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. In Portland, now you can, I know Cliff, Cliff Brockman is um, on the board of directors, isn't he? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking I'm he not was sure involved. who all the board members are. Yeah, in some some way I know he's involved in that. Um, I'm sorry, Thomas. What were you gonna say? I was just wondering in the in the branch in the uh, 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 in 
in Portland. Is this considered a branch of the same museum, or is it a different museum all on its own? Um, the Portland Museum is the original one. The Bangor one is a branch of that. Roger that. And 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 in Bangor, what's your ma- main thing? Cryptologically, in general, or do you concentrate on something specific? Um, with the Bangor one, we concentrate on the cryptozoology part of it, but we also put in some of the Bangor history. There's a lot of Stephen King stuff there um, mm-hmm. to kind of go along with the history of Bangor because the, uh, Stephen King is very big there. Um, and so we added that to it to kind of put some of the, you know, the history and culture of Bangor into the museum as well. Excellent. Now, what Pray tell, do you have an association with the Sasquatch question? What do we have for the Sasquatch? Well, in the Portland Museum, we have the um, Chris oh, Murray. I, I know about Portland. I'm talking about Bangor, yours. Oh, Bangor. We have um, some Bigfoot stuff there as well. Mm-hmm. We have, a, like, a mixture of stuff. There's there's Bigfoot stuff. There's Mothman. There's the Fiji Mermaid. There's um, main history of cryptids. Um and different stuff like that. Can you be more specific? With what we have there, there's really nothing specific. It, like I said, it's kind of an overall. It gives some, uh, gives people a taste of what it would be like to go to the Portland one. Ah, I actually, okay. I'm getting a clearer picture now, and I hope our audience is too. Now, do you like have it, actual tracks, um, plaster tracks, or anything in the the one in Bangor? Um, there are a couple tracks. There's a uh, one from Florida that Mr. Coleman put in. I can't remember who donated that one. Um, there's not many of the tracks up at that one. Most of the um, the cast tracks are at the Portland location. Now I know that um, now Thomas Hat. Then you send some stuff to the the Portland Museum. Oh, we said related. Yeah, uh, I helped Chris Murphy put together a traveling exhibit that was going from town to town here, uh, that came out in in in, in with, with our book, Meet the Sasquatch, and the latest place for it to be and will be for quite some time is in the Portland Museum. What kind of things are involved in that collection? Oh, well, footprints from, uh, well, footprint castings, photographs, and histories of all the classic cases. It mostly concentrates on the Pacific Northwest and British Columbia. But there are other things there, too, as well as exhibits on, you know, individuals who have been involved in this in quite some time. There's quite a bit there. There's some fascinating. There's a copy of the cast, the Joe Dunn cast from the Ruby Creek incident, 1941. Of course, a lot of the Patterson castings cast by the the late Bob Thitmus at the Parish and Gimlin film site were in there as well. Uh, castings I made, they're all included in, in, in with that exhibit, and I'm hoping the uh, Lauren is getting good use out of them. <laughs> They're in beautiful display cases. We we got brand new display cases for those, and they are displayed beautifully, along with who, um, where they're from, um, who casted them. You know, the 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 Sasquatch reveal is 
as, with all that's there, because there was a lot that you guys um, oh, yeah. got together. I, oh. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But it is they it, it, it the casts are like real. They're out so everybody can see them. I really like um, the articles, like on different on like the different stuff, like um, the Ruby Creek incident, the Albert Osman. I mean, there's like you know articles um, with photos and stuff, like all, old newspaper articles that were you know. Um, done up so they're almost like they're um, framed or almost like on a mat um, mm-hmm. there's just there was so much stuff and there is so much stuff and really to go through all that and to look at it is just amazing the work that was done to, to gather all that thank you very much it was a pain in the butt to move <laughs> oh wow! But it was when it was when it was set up. It really was, and I, I think people would enjoy it and find it fascinating. Yes, Chris Murphy's baby, but I helped him with it, and it was it really worked well. But my God, is like, what have you done with the seven foot skeleton? It well, is actually <laughs> on top of that case with the cast, with a foot cast, because there's so many foot casts. We have a line of cases, and yeah. that actually lays on top of those cases. <laughs> with the, the sign that the student, you know, of who, I think it was a group of students that actually um, made that or, you know, but, but it's like, yeah, it, that thing is massive. <laughs> it used to stand beside um, our eight foot tall Harry Selfie King Crookston for a while. Um, <laughs> but now it lays on top of that, that display case with a foot cast. Excellent. Wow. Excellent. <laughs> it was That's amazingly so cool. heavy. I sure you, Julie. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that you guys do a lot of cool things um, from the the museum. I know that you. It's more than just a you know a walk in there and check out the museum thing, which is great. But I know that there's you you guys do some type of um, uh, informative things too for the public don't you well when we have um customers come in we always like to ask where they're from and if they have an interest in cryptozoology um and we go from there some people have a massive interest and they know a lot about it and then others don't and what we like to do is um we like to to help educate the public on it um it's just one of those things that um, I enjoy doing. So when they come in, I will like I'll, I'll give them an introduction on, you know, like because a lot of people just think of like Bigfoot or Nessie or stuff, and, and a lot of people don't realize that you know a lot of our classic animals of discovery, like the giant squids and the mountain gorillas and different things, they were actually considered to be you know monsters and legends before their discoveries, and people will be like, what? <laughs> And they're kind of like, oh, this is so neat, you know. So we try to give them like an overall history and point out, you know, certain things in the museum that, you know, may interest them and different stuff. And then let them go and tell them if they have any questions, please, you know, come up and talk to me or whoever else is working. We'll be glad to, you know, discuss anything with them, you know, if they have any questions. You know, I know that he has over 10,000 different items on exhibit. Yeah, I don't even dare to try to count. <laughs> There's so uh, much. <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, it looks beautiful. I'm looking at some of the pictures on your on your guys' website. Um, wow, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. 
I'm I'm reading here. He has some of the um, he has a a letter from the actor Jimmy Stewart. Um, now he was linked to the the Yeti hand mystery. I know we talked about um, that on one of our shows, Thomas, about how Jimmy Stewart was involved in the Yeti hand disappearing. The well, so-called his Yeti hand disappearing. Is a finger from the hand. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. The finger yeah. from the hand. Smuggled out in Jimmy Stewart's wife, Mrs. Stewart's lingerie case. <laughs> it was a, a time that no British customs agent would dare search a lady's lingerie case. <laughs> that was that's crazy. All kinds of um Yeah, I'm looking here, all kinds of really cool stuff that man, I just um can't believe some of the um things I'm reading here. Oh, let's see. Oh wow. Okay, so the um paradoxical a life size bronze of a thylacine. That's one wow. of my favorites too. <laughs> that is the really? most awesome wow. statue. Yeah. A lot of people when they come in because they don't know what a thylacine or Tasmanian tiger is, they will look and go, that is an awesome chupacabra statue. Because uh, <laughs> they're similar in size and description. And that, that's how I, I get to explain the whole thylacine thing, which is cool, because I, I do like to talk about those, because they are one unique animal. Hey, that would be an interesting display for your museum, the changing description of chupacabra. It started off as a little bipedal lizard-like thing with spines on its back, <laughs> and it metamorphed into almost a thing like the Tasmanian tiger, sort of a dog-like appearance. <laughs> yeah, there's actually, we have a case for the chupacabra at the Portland Museum, and it does have like the little little thing with the spikes that looks almost alien-like, and then you've got some that look dog-like because, yeah, like you said, the, the descriptions change. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's too cool. Very interesting. Um, so now you, you, how many days a week is the one open in um, Bangor? Uh, the one that I run is open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. Just on weekends cool. right now because it's new. The Portland location is open seven days a week. Okay. And you know our listeners, if you if you want to go into cryptozoologymuseum.com and you know look around on the website there to find out some more information, and um, also you know if you go on the main page, you can click on plan your visit and get tickets and all that kind of stuff to um, you know the information's there, the address, of course, all that, and then uh, numbers to call if you're. Uh, wanting more information, um, it's actually at Thompson's Point in Portland, Maine. Yep, is where the museum's at at this point. So, um, and also there's a gift store, and you also have a online uh, gift store. If people are interested in going in there and checking out online some of the stuff that you have at the gift store. So. Yeah, they can do that if they can't make it to Maine and they're just wanting to pick up something, you know, for, you know, 
for somebody who has an interest or even themselves, they can go right onto the um, museum website and they can click on the online store and browse through what we have, and it gets shipped right to them. Oh, wow. Very cool. And I'm kind of looking through it right now. The posters and prints, that looks really cool. The Flatwoods Monster poster, it looks cool. Um, so basically, you guys just kind of cover all kinds of cool stuff in the museum. It's not just a a Bigfoot thing or, you know. Um, yeah, no, the International or... Cryptozoology Museum is the only one in the world that covers all of cryptozoology. It covers all wow. of the cryptids. It covers the history of it, like I said, um, classic animals of discovery. Um, it it covers, like, the thylazine, which is extinct, but there's still reported sightings, you know. I mean, it, it covers everything. It's, it's the only one in the world that does. Because I was doing a networking um, system for the museum to try to, you know, get a hold, you know, to locate other museums that deal with cryptids and, and stuff. And, um, yeah, there's, we're the only ones that cover everything. That. Be a part of that. Wow, you're just very lucky. Love it. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. It's my dream Nothing. job. I guess so. I mean, <laughs> how in the world? I tell you, that's that is awesome. Now you know. Uh, speaking outside of the museum, some here now. I know you. Um, you do have some interest in the whole uh, the Bigfoot uh, interest there, and have you actually been on investigations? Yeah, I've done investigations in Whitehall, New York, with um, the Sussex County Bigfoot Group out of New Jersey. I did a couple expeditions. I did that one, and then I did one in New Jersey with them. I've done my own in the state of Maine. I've done in northern Maine and down east. Um, so, And then I did a, uh, a BFRO expedition a few years back with the um, in Massachusetts with, that was run by the group Squatchachusetts. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with them guys. Very cool. Um, did you have you had an encounter or anything suspicious while you were out? Or I have not had an encounter. We have had whoops, knocks, and we had audio come back from Whitehall um, of rocks being thrown. You could actually hear them pinging off trees and leaves. Um, hmm. I was not in the thick of that. It was two other guys who were kind of freaked out because it the noise that was coming from the rocks being thrown actually made it sound like something was like moving alongside of them mm. and stuff. But that's about the only thing. I mean, I have in, in my state, I have come across footprints. I've come across tree breaks. I actually was, I found a handprint, which I thought was really cool because when I put my hand in it, it dwarfed. <laughs> wow. And where was that? And you say in um, in Maine? Yeah, it was in Maine. Hmm. That is interesting. Did you uh, get in? Um, manage to talk with Bill Braun or any of the fellows who have been researching uh, around Whitehall for for many many years? Um, no, I haven't um, talked to anybody that's been doing the research there. I do. I have spoke with them. Um, Paul Bartholomew before because we were talking about um, yeah. my expedition there and he told me 
if I go back, which I would love to go back, Whitehall is just a beautiful area. Um, it's oh, right it at is. the base of the Anirondacks, and it's just gorgeous. And he's like, the next time you come out, you make sure you let me know. <laughs> he said, I can show you around. But I, I grabbed, I, when I was there, I did stop into their their um, town office because they do have an ordinance that um, you're not allowed to harm a uh, Sasquatch if you can, uh, come across it. So I had I got copies of that ordinance before I left. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Whitehall has a history of very interesting um, events happening around there, and um, it seems like I watch a documentary on Sasquatch without Whitehall being brought up one way or another. You know. Yeah. So now you also have an um, interest in something that I found found very fascinating, and that is the 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 puma. Um, tell us how you became involved in look you know looking for the big cats. Well, it started back when I first started volunteering at the museum. Um, Mr. Coleman was talking to me one day, and he was like, you know, you ought to investigate, you know, mystery cats. You live in Lincoln County, and there's a high concentration of sightings in that area for mystery cats. And I looked at him, and I'm like, Black Panthers? And he's like, no, he says mountain lions. And I looked at him really weird because I was <laughs> like, what? And he was like, mountain lions. He said, they, the, the state doesn't recognize them. They believe that they're extinct in the area and along the east coast and i just kind of looked and i'm like what because when i was growing up i lived on the mid coast which is it's a coastal region and when i was growing up you know it wasn't common but you know every few years you'd have somebody you know talk about seeing a mountain lion and stuff and it was like one of those things of okay well you know they're more in a mountain region you know they're not going to be that so okay one just kind of wandered down it was the same thing with bears i mean we have a, a good bear population but on the mid-coast area they're rarely seen and every now and then you'll come across one so i was like they're not and he goes yes they are so we're kind of mm. going back and forth with no they're not yes they are and he was like yeah so he goes you want to look into it and i i did you know because I, I i love to hike um, daytime, nighttime, it doesn't matter. I'm all, I like being out in the woods. And um, I would just keep an eye out, and I'd had people come up and report, you know, seeing one, you know, at the railroad tracks the next town over or something, and I would just document it. But in April of this year, April 2nd of this year, I was taking my daughter to work in Rockland, and on the way home, I'm just about five minutes from home, I'm on a road in Cushing, and it's just daybreak. The The sun had just come up, and I'm coming down over this hill by a marsh area. And as I'm coming down to the bottom, I start braking to slow down at my speed and stuff. And out comes this animal from the culvert area by the marsh. And I almost hit it with my car. Luckily, the thing kind of swerved enough, and I, I moved out of the way. But it's running in front of my car along the side of the road. And I'm looking at it, and it's this large cat that looks like a leopard. It was dark in color with black spots, long tail. The last quarter of inch of the tail was solid black. And I watched it jump into the thickets just a few feet away. And at one point it was running next to my car. And I was like, what did I just see? We don't have leopards in Maine. 
Wow. And I went back home, and I have plaster because I go out into the field, so I was like, I'm going to go back and see if I can find any tracks. I found one where it came out of the section by the culvert and hit some soft dirt, and I casted it. And Wow. I, I took pictures of the area. I informed Mr. Coleman of what had happened, and he was like, he wrote, wrote everything down, right? And I said, yeah, and I casted a print, and he was like, what? And I said, I casted a print. And he was like so surprised that, you know, I went back and found this thing, and I sent him a picture, and he was like, oh, my gosh. Now you've got to draw what you saw. <laughs> oh. And it was, it was just a really neat experience, but um, – in this state, when people have sightings, usually the game wardens will tell them it was a misidentification. It was either a, a lab, um, somebody's loose pet, um, anything but that. And the one that the one that's my pet peeve is when I'm when you hear somebody mention it and they're like, "Oh no, it's an escaped pet." And mm. I actually have recently been talking to um, some of the journalists that have done stories. Um, throughout the state on, you know, mountain lion sightings. And then I spoke to the um, biologist who actually declared them extinct and had them removed from the endangered species list here. Um, he sent me all the paperwork, so I have all the federal paperwork on that um, and state. And um, he was like, it was, you know, it was somebody's pet that you, it must be somebody's pet that you saw. And um, And he was telling me that throughout, he went through each of the eastern states before he did the whole declaring them extinct all the way down, you know, even into your, I think you're in North Carolina. Uh-huh. He checked all of like, like all the states and what they had for um, large cats, like um, if you were restrictions on exotic, you know, large cat pets and if there was, you know, permits and stuff. But then, you know, he really didn't get into detail with it, but then he turned around and he goes, but in Ohio, he goes, when I checked, they don't have anything like that. So if, you know, somebody bought one and decided to come to Maine and was like, the cat's just getting too big, it's a nice wilderness area. And I'm like, that's not impossible, but it's kind of implausible. You know, I'm like... I, I, I've checked around. I've looked for reports. I can't find any of any big cats being seized in the state that somebody had illegally. So it's just one of my pet peeve excuses is what I call yeah. it. <laughs> now, my understanding was that the Eastern Puma was officially declared extinct around the time of the American Civil War. Um, yeah, well, let's see. Uh, I've been reading on work that Bruce S. Wright, he was a, a, a wildlife biologist in New Brunswick, and he actually has the dates of when they were the last known, like, full population. Like, we still had them here, but they're saying that there's no breeding population. They're coming from other places mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and like- like somehow the western cougar has migrated east? Yeah, well, there was one in Connecticut that got hit a few years back that actually, I believe, I can't remember, I think it came from the Dakotas or someplace, but it, it got hit by a car in Connecticut. Okay. And Any so, idea how it got there from the Dakotas? Walked as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, honestly. Oh, uh, Okay. Now, the eastern puma in most states was thought to be extinct, but the Florida panther is an eastern puma, is it not? 
Yes. Yeah, so they're not totally extinct. Mm-hmm. Florida mm-hmm. is the only state that, yeah, that recognizes having a breeding population. Right. And, of course, here in British Columbia, we got we got mountain lions all over the place. I saw one on the roadside just five nights ago. And uh, we have them all over the place. But uh, um, how they would migrate, well, the, I can see it in Canada because it's all... It's all trees all the way across, but how would something like this migrate to the eastern parts without being noticed? And so someone can argue, well, they have been noticed. That's why we're getting sightings. Well, also, too, though, is I find in my area, and I've I've done, because um, even, like I said, I've been doing a lot of research with what Bruce S. Wright had been writing down and stuff, and what goes you know, it's 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 a mountain lion, eastern puma, whatever. Um, you can call it a cougar, a catamount. There's so many different names, but they're all the same thing. And it, what, like California has um, an organization that that works with cougars and stuff, and they put out you know paperwork and different stuff so that people understand and things. But it's one of those things that they're rarely seen. I mean, if you do see one, you you might see one because you have a bigger population. But um, even in California, people that have researched these things and, you know, worked to, you know, try to track them and stuff like that, you may find the tracks and stuff, but they a lot of people don't even see them, you know. And they have huge territories. Their territories are large. And if there is a breeding population, they broke it down to, like, one male can have a huge territory with three females in it and they kind of overlap a little they don't you know they don't all overlap but when you have cubs if they're male they have to move further out of that section and stuff i mean there's just a lot of i don't know research behind it i'm not saying that's what's happening here i'm just saying that we have them and they do have to travel females don't travel as far as as male cubs do i do know that yeah i i i I fully support the idea of the eastern puma not going extinct because uh, just because something's not seen for a while doesn't mean it's necessarily all gone and there's a lot of wilderness out there to hide in well that's the thing and it's like you know to me it's it's also one of those things of they evolve over the over the century I mean they were just about wiped out you know um, by man and the one thing they're going to learn is to stay the heck away from us Mm-hmm. as much as possible and I know that a lot of people go well they're not you know you don't have any that have been hit by a vehicle you know there's there's no roadkill and stuff like there is in Florida and it's like Maine is completely different though we don't have the population we have a lot of, of forest area the state is almost is close to 90% forest area you know and stuff and there's a lot of area to hide <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, that's very interesting, um, you know, because where I'm at here in, in central North Carolina, right outside the Uari Forest, according to um, science, there are no, um, you know, mountain lions in this area. They're they're over on the west side of North Carolina and the, the mountain, mountainous area. However, <clears throat> I know for a fact that about 30 miles Northwest of me, there was a mountain lion that was seen last year. Um, so, I was 
just on the it, eastern. It just, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean it just. You know, it, it's kind of nice to to hear those stories when people see these things because I kind of like to know if there's a mountain lion out in my woods. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because um, I live in a very rural area, not far from there, and um, you know, they're telling me, "Oh, they don't exist," but then I'm hearing stories about them being around. And the, you know, if I ever caught one of them on my game cams in the back of my property, I think I'd die. But um. They they are in areas where people swear by God that they don't exist. Yeah. And that's very interesting. Now, do you go out and specifically look for evidence of them or, I mean, in certain areas or? Um, I... I have, like I said, gone out hiking looking to see, but I have a couple areas that I'm working at right now. I kind of got my stuff together for it to set up uh, game cams, but I also have a few other tricks up my sleeve to hopefully um, try to figure out if I can, you know, if if we have them in that area. We may not, but, I mean, the game cam, hopefully I'll get a picture. I'm going to try some other stuff to see if I can, you know, at least get some tracks and, and other stuff too, because that's the one thing is there's saying there's not enough evidence. I mean, there's no photos on game cams, even though there have been a few photos of um, the Eastern, you know, Panther on game cams. And then um, they're saying, you know, what about tracks and, and hair samples and different stuff. And so it's like, well, I have a few ideas. <laughs> I'm going to see if it works. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then move on to another section, but I do think with what I saw, we do have a small, very small breeding population. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you definitely have to keep us in the loop on that if uh, you find something of interest. I will definitely do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, Thomas, do you have any questions about... um, about the museum or anything that I didn't cover? Did you have anything specific Curious, you wanted to well, add? Well, well, um, was, there, uh, you, was it your idea to expand the Portland Museum to other locations like in Bangor, or was that uh, uh, Coleman's idea, or whose idea was that? That was Mr. Coleman's idea. Ah, okay. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll tell you what, Gene, if you ever get out to the west coast of British Columbia, I'll extend to you the same same invitation I always do to Julie. I'll take you around and show you where Jocko was allegedly captured and uh, where the Chapman cabin was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for your interest. Oh, I would love that. (laughs) I know. Isn't that cool? I just wish it wasn't so blasted far away. Um, I know. <laughs> but, you know, maybe well, everything I, about this COVID. and get over is the state of Maine. It's, a, it's got, ever since dark shadows in the 1960s, been associated with strange stuff in the United States. <laughs> 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 and then came Stephen King and most of his stories and stuff like that, <laughs> which which I think Dark Saddles was a big influence on, yeah. But uh, 
It's a fascinating place. It's a beautiful state, and I say that just because I've seen pictures. I've never been there. Closest I've been is Philadelphia. Yeah, no, it is. It's beautiful, and it, it's it's strange. I was telling somebody the other day. It's it's funny when um, movies are being filmed because I can always tell when they're done on the East Coast because it's it's so different than the West Coast. Oh, I know, I know, and it's kind of silly when they do show like the old X Files. They they always film here in this vicinity where I am, and claim it was Maine or Upper State New York or uh-huh. something in the. State. But you're wondering why there's giant cedar trees and fir trees in Maine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I've never been to Maine either, and um, I, I really should uh, get up that way. Because I, you know, being in the south here, when I I did live in Ohio for so long, but anytime I went somewhere, I always came south, you know, because all my family's down here and everything. So, um, But I may have to plan a trip up there, because I'd love to see that museum. Oh, well, make sure, Julie, and I'm only going by what I've heard, go during the summer. The winters are brutal. Yes, they yeah. are. <laughs> I agree with what you said earlier. Everybody's like, you know, oh, it's got to be hot. It's like, you know what, we have enough rain and cold and snow that I'm going to enjoy the summer while we have it. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. right. And, Julie, if you go... Stay away from Jerusalem's lot, especially after dark. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Creepy. Well, I'll tell you that um, Maine has a lot of different, um, you know, long-standing legends and history of, of different type of, you know, cryptids and and just all kinds of cool stuff. Because like you said, Gene, there's, it's ninety percent forest. Um, I mean, that's a lot of land covered in, yeah. you know, forested land still. So, yeah, it's a beautiful, the beautiful state of Maine. Uh, other than Sasquatch and uh, other, uh, are there any reports of aquatic cryptids in Maine? Um, there is supposed to be a lake monster in one of the lakes in Washington County. Um, there is Cassie the Sea Serpent outside of Casco Bay, uh, out in Casco Bay, I should say, not outside of, but out in Casco Bay. Um, yeah, so there's a couple aquatic ones. Interesting. Hmm. Is, is Sasquatch reports a common thing, or do they just pop up rarely? Um, they pop up. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people still don't like to talk about it just due to – I still think that a lot of people um, just feel like they're going to get ridiculed for it and stuff. I do mm-hmm. like the fact, though, that nowadays more people do discuss it. It's not like when I was growing up and everybody just kind of shunned the whole thing, you know. Right, exactly. People are a lot more um, open-minded, I think. Um, and I know that it seems like ever since the um, – the series Finding Bigfoot had come and gone that it really opened up a lot of um, people to be able to talk about their encounters and that sort of thing. Because I, I know when they were um, <clears throat> here at the Uari, I think it was the uh, first season, episode three, is when they they came here to the Uari. Um, and, you know, before that, people were kind of, Everybody talked about, you know, having this, uh, the Sasquatch was in the Uari, but 
you know, you didn't really go and, and publicly tell everybody about your experience at the Wari. And now, after that show was on, you know, everywhere you go around here, it's Bigfoot this, Bigfoot that. You know, so it really brought an awareness of the the legends and the history of it in this area. So, um, you know, Maine is definitely an interesting place. I'm, I'm reading about some of your uh, maybe lesser known cryptids here. And it's... <laughs> And Lauren, you, if you type anything in um, main cryptid, there's Lauren Coleman all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> He's yep. like the godfather of of cryptids. Um, Thank you. That's what so I call him too. So. <laughs> What's that? I said I call him the same thing. I call him the godfather no, of cryptozoology. Yeah, he's a very interesting person, and, you know, what I like most about him is that he is, uh, you know, pretty no-nonsense about it and um, very critical thinking, and, you know, even though he's deeply intertwined and and interested in this, you know, he he takes a very um, healthy, skeptical approach to a lot of of stuff that is tomfoolery, you know, some of this. Yeah. Some Lauren crazy is a unique out of portal just, stuff and all that. I know he just cringes about that kind of thing. So he also has a very unique sense of humor. Yeah, oh, doesn't he though? <laughs> yes, yeah. he does. <laughs> yep, he does. And he's been doing it for a long damn time too. Yeah, he's been doing it for sixty-two years. Amazing. Yeah, we definitely want to give a shout-out to Lauren. Um, you know, thanks for all that you do, and um so glad that you hired Gene because I just I just love uh, hearing you talk about, you know, this, the cat thing and all that. It's just so fascinating, and I'm glad that you, you know, picked that ball up and you're rolling with it because they need protected, you know? Um, that's why I was saying there, then they're going to need some protection. So yeah, that's what I've been saying. But I get a whole lot of you're opening a can of worms, and it's like if they're here, they have their land, they have their territory, they're not bothering anybody. Why do they? Why does anything need to change? Just protect them. Just that's yeah. all I want is protection for them. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, what well, can what yeah, what could be simpler to just saying, if you see a big cat, don't shoot it. Yeah, yeah right. supposedly there's there's a fine if you do. I, I've got to still look into that and find out what it is and different stuff because I, I guess when they did take them off the endangered species list, the retired biologist that I spoke to said that he had, had to, uh, a lot of the um, environmental and animal groups came uh, along and they were like, well, if you're taking them off, you know, the, enda- the endangered species list and com- calling them completely extinct, what protection do they have? And that's when he told me that there that you're there's no open what do you say there's no open cougar season in Maine and there is a fine and it's like what's the fine <laughs> you know yeah. I'd rather have them protected that's, that's all I right. want is if they're here I want them protected that's that's awesome so Thomas did you have anything uh, else? We're right there on top of the hour here. I can't believe it's already been an hour, but um, no, it was just a 
it was a pleasure talking to Gene. I didn't know about the uh, the new museum in Bangor, and if I'm ever in the area, I will definitely come in and pop in and give it a lucky. And uh, my invitation to her, if she ever comes out to British Columbia, stands and uh, say hello to Lauren for me. I will. And it was great Sweet. talking to you. <laughs> Well, Gene, we are just very happy that you took the time to be on the show tonight, and um, very interesting. So, you know, definitely keep us in the loop of uh, any upcoming things with the museum, and um, you know, people. We do have one thing. Any, any listeners um, in Maine, if you have an encounter with what you think is a, a big cat, get a hold of Gene, give her a call at the museum, let her know, because I know she'd be interested in hearing it. Yeah, and we do have one thing coming up um, next year, May 19th and 20th of 2023. We're going to have our fifth International Cryptozoology Conference um, in Portland at the Clarion Hotel. Okay, sweet. And now is that um, information about that will be on the website? It will be be updated on the website and stuff, yeah. He still hasn't... um, like announced any speakers or anything. He's announced the the weekend will be May 19th and 20th, and um, then when um, there's more to it to announce, he'll he'll update the uh, the website will be updated. Okay. Let's cool. hope COVID garbage is over with by then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just yeah. Tired of it. So sweet, Gene. I appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show and. Um, you know, like I said, keep us in the loop. I sure will, and thank you for inviting me on. I had a great time. Great. Uh, we appreciate it. And, Thomas, I guess that was uh, show 36 is now in the history book. So um, imagine that. Time rolls on. Cryptology is still a mystery that needs answering, and... By Lord, I know my main goal is uh, is interest in the Sasquatch, but there are other mysteries out there too. That's right. Well, we really appreciate everybody joining us. Um, you know, if you have any input about the show, this show or any shows, you know, give reach out to Thomas or I. Um, if you have any suggestions on a show that you would like to hear us do, you know, shoot me an email, julie.wrench at yahoo.com, or just get a hold of me on Facebook. Um, We're always open to suggestions listeners would like to hear. So, And we want to thank you all for joining us. And, Thomas, we will do another show next month, and uh, I look forward to doing that. So you have a good night.